Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. All right, and with us right now, I've got Joel Staley. Joel, you are a senior communications consultant. You're an executive media trainer, and you are the founder and CEO of JCS Communications. And Joel, you're a good friend of mine. Well, I try to be. Thank you for <laughs> admitting that on the air. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so listen, I have to start off by saying, so there may not be a, an up my influence if, if it weren't for Joel Staley. So uh, you and I chatted a long time ago. Uh, and, you know, this is when I was kind of, you know, uh, full full steam ahead, you know, savings angel, right. uh, you know, kind of recognizing that I probably was going to need to make a pivot though, uh, because the, the whole couponing thing was kind of grinding to a, 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 a halt. And, um, you know, I'd recognized that I had been, had done pretty well at my own PR. And I remember one conversation, Joel, that you and I had, and, you know, it's like, I, I asked you somebody if I didn't use these words necessarily, but I said, you know, so I didn't go to college for PR, but I'm really good at it. I was, you know, I was a journalist <laughs> in the Navy. And, and I remember asking you some of the effect of like, am I going to get in trouble for, for practicing PR without a license? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And you said, ah, please those, you know, whatever, go, you know, you got results, you know, if you, that's really what people are after. That's right. That's yes. exactly right. No, I remember that conversation well. And um, uh, I gave you some advice. Gosh, I didn't, I'm impressed with what you did with that advice and <laughs> all that you've developed in terms of uh, your brand and your company. So congratulations to you. Well, you, you are the kingmaker, my friend. Uh, <laughs> so, so Joel, tell me about your background uh, and, you know, kind of the work that you've done. You've been in PR for, for quite a while. You and I uh, were kind of, we were in college uh, at sim similar times. So you had the opportunity to work with uh, the Walt Disney World Corporation. I mean, that had to have been uh, a great way to start your career. And from there, where did you end up going? Well, from there, I worked for a boutique agency, uh, uh, which no longer exists. It's in Orlando. It was in Orlando and a uh, very interesting opportunity. About half of the work was in the recreational marine industry, so boat manufacturers, and including I got to do uh, all of the on-site PR work for the world's premier water ski and wakeboard tournament, the Masters Water Ski and Wakeboard Tournament. And so fabulous opportunity, really entertaining. But you know, it didn't offer me the opportunity to get exposed to global brands and to uh, complex account leadership. And I really craved that and felt it was important for my career. So um, it also get, uh, I also felt like I wasn't using my language skills. I speak Spanish and Portuguese fluently. So I said, well, let's find something else. Hmm. Um, fortunately, I was able to find a position with uh, what is now Burson Conan Wolf, which is one of the world's largest PR firms in South Florida. So my family and I moved there and great opportunity all that I was looking for and more in terms of the types of clients that I was working with, uh, being member member of global teams, 
uh, and being exposed to a variety of different businesses. One of the things that I did, and I would give this advice to anyone is, if your boss asks you, hey, do you think you can handle such and such? Never say no, always say yes. My boss asked me if I would want to help her conduct a media training. And she was wanting me to come in and act as a tough reporter to grill an executive. And she said, do you think you can handle that? And I said, gulp, uh, yeah, sure, I can do that. <laughs> so uh, I did a lot of theater in high school and college. So I put on my thespian hat and I said, I'm going to be the role of reporter. And I, and I went in there and I really hammered the executive. Uh, I was worried that I'd overdone it, you know, when I walked out. But my boss loved it. And she got me involved in media trainings. And ever since then, oh my gosh. I've media training and it's become a really important part of my consultancy. Yeah, it has. So again, it was, uh, you know, an opportunity to, to take a different path and, and I took it. Yeah. Uh, and after uh, Bursting Kona Wolf, I got the call back from Disney, but this time to return as a director instead of just an intern. Had a fabulous opportunity and experience there for about three years uh, working, not necessarily with just Walt Disney World Resort, but with Disney parks and resorts. And so worked. Uh, you know, with Disneyland Paris, worked with our Latin America region, worked with um, Disneyland in California and, and parks all over the world. So fabulous experience. Uh, but after about three years of that, I was looking for a change. Uh-huh. And Burson called me back and said, hey, we need you to act as account director for the Mexico Tourism Board and work wow. directly with the Mexico Secretary of Tourism, which is a cabinet level position mm. for that government. I was thrilled. And Jeez. I would, I would use my Spanish language skills. I, I traveled to Mexico frequently for that account and worked with a large team across the U S and Canada, uh, had a great time after that. I did a couple of different things. Uh, but then I got, uh, got the call back to, to work with an agency again, cause I enjoyed that environment. So this time with Edelman and, and in fact is the world's largest PR firm mm-hmm. and really stepped up my crisis communications experience and engagement with Edelman. I was in charge of crisis communications for all of Edelman's clients in the state of Florida. And in fact, um, one of our clients, uh, we were able to do some amazing work for them. And in 2016, I and my team, we earned PRSA's statewide award for best crisis communications campaign that year. So yeah, let's talk about that for a second, because there's a couple of things that you went through that that I think are going to be valuable for people who are listening to this. Number one, you shared, you know, when you were asked to do some media training and you hadn't done it in the past, no. uh, just go ahead and say yes. Like you'll figure it out, right? And so uh, like yeah. I've gotten that when I've been asked by reporters, hey, can you do this story on Disney ticket prices uh, or whatever, right? It's like, I don't normally talk about that, but I, I, you know, if I can, like schedule wise, I just say, yeah, sure, of course I can. And then, you know, you just figure it out on your way to the station. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and Use you know, your brain, you can do it. Yeah, it's, in, you know, in those moments where we are kind of thrown in the deep end of the pool, we figure it out. You figure out how to swim to shore uh, or, you know, figure out how to swim in, in that case. And, you know, I think, Joel, that there's incredible value in continually putting ourselves in con- in, in uncomfortable situations because it's, you know, growth is found out, you know, outside our comfort zone. And so, uh, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, volunteer, you know, or volunteering doing something you've never done before, you know, in my case, you know, a, a number of years back, I, I took a, a year of improv classes. Uh, oh, and 
Yeah. And there were times when I was pretty comfortable doing that. And then you start getting into like level three and level four. And uh, I was very intentional. I think that what he was doing was trying to put us in situations where it was just so painful. Like one <laughs> I can remember is like you were, you, you had to do a scene and you weren't allowed to end the scene until uh, he said, okay, there we go. Right. And, and he would end it for you. Like you couldn't like, and I was just doing everything because it was just going nowhere. It was so uncomfortable. It was so not <laughs> funny. It was just, it was just a horrible, dumb premise. There was nothing amusing or entertaining about it. And I kept trying to come up with this. And I guess that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. And he's like, Nope, keep on going. <laughs> and he kept, he did that like three times. And meanwhile, so he said, here's why this is uncomfortable. You have like 20 other people watching you and staring at you, yeah. you know, like, Oh man, this is bad. And I'm like, Oh, and it's just, you know, that's an example, a silly example, but you know, it, it's, you know, what, what can we do today that maybe we've never done before um, that we can experience that new thing so that we could say, well, shoot, if I can do that, I can do anything. And, yeah. um, I think that that being that versatility makes us pretty valuable if either we're looking to move ahead professionally um, in whatever area, or, you know, if you're in business for yourself, certainly um, you have lots of opportunity to to, uh, quickly adapt. Yeah. Besides, you know, what better thrill, what better adrenaline rush than to step into the arena and say, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. Who knows how it's going to (laughs) go? Well, um, and so the other thing uh, that, oh gosh, we got to talking about that. I forget what the other thing I was going to talk about, but um, yeah, crisis comes. That's what I was going to mention. So, and this is something that you've done a lot of. Can you kind of just give us just a quick 101 on what crisis communications entails? Absolutely. So basically when something goes wrong, how do you communicate that? or about that to the audiences or the publics that are critical for your organization's success. How do you talk about the problem? How do you talk about what went wrong? How do you do so in a way that maintains, and this is critical, this is the number one point of crisis communications. How do you do it in a way that maintains the trust that your audience has in you? It's difficult because sometimes you're so concerned with legal liabilities that you ruin your reputation in order to preserve legal, uh, protect yourself legally. Well, look, this is what I tell clients. It doesn't matter, you know, if, if you've ruined your reputation, it doesn't matter what offer you're putting out there. It doesn't matter what discount you're extending. It doesn't matter yeah. how good the deal looks. If people don't trust you, they're not mm-hmm. going to do business with you. Yeah. Preserve trust preserve trust. That's what I teach my clients. And so we approach it from that position. And many times your clients, excuse me, I I didn't mean to say clients, I meant to say your audience or your customers, they can forgive you if they feel like you've been honest, if they feel like you've made a mistake and you've been diligent in correcting that mistake, if you've been diligent and making them whole, they can forgive you and you can continue to have a great relationship and a great business. But when they feel you've deceived them, then you're done. That's that's the breaking point for most customers. And that's when you probably will ruin your business. Yeah. Like United Airlines, for example. Ugh. <laughs> so who's so on their PR team, please? Or maybe, I bet you, what it's just a culture where they're just not empowered. It's, it's, it's run by attorneys. 
It could be. Oftentimes when I see the situations, I don't think it's necessarily a bad PR team. I think it's probably a situation where they're not taking the PR team's advice. Yeah. That's, that's what I often see. Um, I think in those situations, it's important for public relations, professionals, communications professionals to have the ear of senior executives and to have a working relationship with those senior executives and to be at the table when important decisions are made. And as a PR professional, if you realize that that's not the case, that your advice isn't valued in that way, then maybe it's a good opportunity for you to evaluate whether you should continue in that capacity. Yeah. Maybe not you, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure you know of other PR people that have been in that situation where, and at what point do you say, you know what, I'm... I'm not even able to influence change here. And, and I, I, I mean, I could just, I, I know that there are PR professionals that have found themselves in very painful cultures, uh, you know, in very, uh, you know, just disempowering cultures. It's like, why am I even here? You know, if I, if I what I know it, it needs to happen, no one's listening to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, got to be frustrating. That's a tough decision to come to. Um, my, uh, one of my PR professors at, at Brigham Young University where I studied, um, she told me, she said, Joel, make sure that you have a good, healthy savings account. <laughs> that will be your freedom to walk away from positions or situations where you don't feel comfortable and you know, it's not right. Mm. If you don't have a great savings account, if you don't have money put away, you're going to feel trapped. You're going to feel like my family needs me to put food on the table and the roof over the head. I, I don't feel morally right doing this, but I guess I have to keep doing it. Wow. So the savings account is more valuable in those situations than the actual dollar amount. What do you think the current state of the public relations industry is right now? Like, I, I think that there's been a lot of evolution over the past three to five years. Um, what do you see? I think there's so many more channels and so many more tools for public relations as a, as a profession to be practiced. And so in the end, public relations is about managing the communications between your organization and those publics and audiences that are critical for a success. Mm-hmm. And, and managing those communications, I mean, it used to be, you know, 20 years ago, uh, it was pretty much, uh, you know, print and and online publications were just starting to pop up, but they didn't have all the influence that they do today. Right. And, or it was radio or it was TV, you know, it was the traditional media. But now, you know, even beyond social media, uh, is every conceivable opportunity to communicate. They have the ability to uh, monitor through a person's, cell phone and and smartphone usage who's close to certain billboards or not yeah and you can you can fine tune what's on your billboard digitally based on those the type of data that you get from that and so it's about maintaining the same principle i'm communicating but it's about realizing that i have way more channels that i can use and that are at my disposal in times past and making sure you develop a team that has the ability to take advantage of those channels yeah. You know, I, I, one thing I'm, I've always been a huge champion of is, is brand journalism and, you know, using your own platform, not just to put out boring press releases on stuff that nobody cares about, but to actually yeah. inform and invest in your relationship with your audience. And 
you know, I see some companies do a really good job at this and I see others that are just feel like they're kind of asleep at the wheel and I think missing out on a huge opportunity. So therefore then the only information that's out there is the information that they might not really be able to control as well. You make a great point. And it's really important. There's a principle in public relations and uh, perception management. It's that you have to own your story because if you don't, somebody else will, and they might tell it in a way you don't like. Mm. And so you need to work hard to become the ultimate credible authority and source for your own story. And you mentioned, you know, using your own channel. Absolutely. If you're not putting out exciting, stimulating information uh, and you're not telling your story in, in an entertaining and riveting way, then somebody else is going to pick up on it. And then pretty soon you're going to realize you've lost control of the narrative about your very own brand. Yeah. Um, Joel, you do a lot of media training. And so, uh, you know, maybe there's an executive who's listening to our conversation right now and, and they've never really done media training. Number one, why is that so important? And number two, like, I, I mean, is there kind of some basic tenets or some basic things that you see pretty consistently that's like, listen, even if you don't have the time, like you're getting the call and you're going to show up tomorrow or a journalist is coming in, it's going to interview you at least for goodness sakes, do this, this, and this. So two part, two part question there. Yeah, absolutely. So why is it so important? Um, Warren Buffett said, if you lose money for our firm, I'll be understanding. If you damage our reputation, I'll be ruthless. Wow. So he cares deeply about reputation and doing media interviews and speaking on behalf of your organization, using the media as a channel to reach your target audience, that is about reputation. And it's incredibly important. And most leaders are pretty good communicators. They've had a lot of experience communicating in one way or another over the years. But it is not the same as doing an interview with a traditional media reporter. It absolutely isn't. It's not a regular conversation. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of nuances there. And if you don't get it right, the downside of doing a wrong media interview, of doing it poorly, well, there's too many bad examples to speak of. Um, the one that comes to mind is the BP oil spill. Tony Hayward, who is the CEO of BP, yeah. he was doing great in his interview with the national news media, right up until he got to the part where he said, I just want to get my life back. And then it was over. Everybody just saw through him and realized, all this guy cares about is himself. Doesn't mm -hmm. he care about the people who, who this oil spill has hurt? Doesn't he, et cetera, et cetera. You get the idea. I don't have to belabor that point. But for CEOs and executives, remember that. It's a nuanced, very interesting conversation. And it's not a regular conversation. You can't just waltz in there and think that it's going to go fine. Nobody's a natural when it comes to media interviews. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to be trained. Everybody needs to prepare if they expect to do a good job. What about it? it what about that environment is, is different? And, and if someone is not trained, what are the potential pitfalls? What's different about it is the reporter has a different objective than you. When you sit down with another person, you have a conversation. Um, you know, there's a give and take. It's an intellectual exchange. You may even debate certain issues. That's mm -hmm. not what an interview with a reporter is about. The, the reporter has an objective. They're trying to collect content from you. And that content is going to be used to build a story. And they are not loyal to you. They are loyal to their viewers or readers mm -hmm. or followers. They're loyal to their editor. And if you should say something that is entertaining and exciting and could help them strengthen the relationship they have with their followers, they're going to use it. 
and they're not going to think twice about making you look silly or dumb. So that's point one. You, as the executive stepping into that interview, you should have an objective. And that objective should not be to have a nice dialogue with a reporter. The objective should be to get your story told, to get your key messages into the conversation in a way that helps move your organization's goals forward. And then that's the difference between what happens with a media interview and what happens in just a regular conversation. Hmm. That's very nice. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in terms of, uh, Joel, if they don't have the opportunity to hire you, um, what would be some good rules of thumb if they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going into TV in the morning and like, uh, do, do, do I, do I, not, do I prepare? Do I, I don't want to over-prepare because then I'm going to sound rehearsed. Like, how do you get that, that, that right balance? Yeah. I would say find a way to get the training because you may even want to say no to the interview. If you can't get the training, that's how much of a risk it is. Now, if you find yourself in a situation where you feel you can't say no, then I would say do a couple of things. One, know your audience. Who are you talking to? In other words, not the reporter, but the reporter's audience. What is their audience like? What do they care about? What's important to them? Know that going in and make sure that in the way you communicate, you are sympathetic to that audience. That's one. Two, know your story. You need to concisely reduce that to about three or four main headlines that tell your story and tell your, 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 give your message. And you need to be prepared to repeat that again and again and again. Keep it simple. You can't get long-winded. You have to keep it simple. So that would be the second thing I would say. The third thing I would say is make sure you review some of the past interviews that that reporter has done. How do they treat their interview subjects? How do they talk to them? Do, do, are they, do they kind of do a bait and switch? You know, they, it sounds all nice and fuzzy and warm at the beginning and they hit you, you know, with a nice shot to the, to the gut. Uh, you, you've got to figure that out ahead of time. And mm. finally, like any good performance, you need to rehearse before you go and deliver that performance. Now you said something about, well, they don't want to sound scripted. And I, let, me, let me offer a different view on that. When you go to a, a Broadway production in New York, that's all scripted. But at the same time, it can still reach us and it can t- still be persuasive and it can still be emotionally moving. Why? Because they know it so well that their performance and their delivery sells it and makes it fabulous. As an interviewee with the media, you need to do the same thing. You need to be so well-versed in your own story that it's the delivery that you focus on. Even if you in your mind know that you're repeating phrases that are scripted, it won't matter if you deliver it well to your audience. They'll understand, and that's the message they'll take home. Yeah. Uh, so, Joel, who do you work with today, and, and uh, what do you do? Absolutely. Uh, I've got a variety of clients, but two of my main clients right now are Seacoast Bank, mm-hmm. and then the other client that I work with frequently is University of Central Florida, UCF. Mm. And for Seacoast Bank, I'm delivering a broad range of PR services, uh, a lot of messaging development, some media training, um, a lot of media relations, helping them place their stories in media that are important in the, uh, in the markets where they do business. For UCF, I'm doing a lot of media training, helping train their important spokespersons to do a better job of delivering the UCF story to the media that they talk to. Yeah. Well, that's a big client. That's number two university in the in the United States. I I love working with them. Um, My family has a deep history with UCF. My dad graduated from UCF. He was the first member of the first class that graduated from UCF when it was called UCF instead of 
FTU, which was what it was known by before ah. it became UCF. So that was a long time ago. Aunts and uncles and cousins and siblings and in-laws have all gone to school there and graduated from there. So um, I'm very proud to be working for UCF. And, I, and I've got a lot of experience in higher education. So um, it's something that's interesting to me. And again, feel lucky that I've got them as a client. Yeah. So Joel, uh, so someone who's been listening to our uh, conversation, what would be a great way to reach out, connect with you? Uh, is there any piece of content that maybe you'd recommend to someone who wants to learn more about what you do? Yeah, I've got a blog where I post a lot of my thinking on these subjects. Mm-hmm. And that blog is www.jcs-communications.com. And if they go there, they're going to see oh, t- uh, dozens of, of blog posts of mine about many of the topics that we've addressed today day and more. Excellent. I know you're pretty prolific on LinkedIn as well, which I, yeah, <laughs> I always I, I see your stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn as well. And I share a lot of my blog posts via LinkedIn, but I also yep. try to share, I try to be a good curator of what I think is smart content from the, from a PR world standpoint. So I try to share there too. Yeah. Well, Joel Staley, again, your senior communications consultant, your executive media training uh, trainer, your website is JCS Communications, jcs-communications.com. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And uh, so, Joel, again, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your 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 bits of wisdom. I think that was uh, maybe about six and a half years ago uh, that we were having that conversation. And look what you started, my friend. <laughs> I just gave you uh, encouragement. You had the idea and the drive all along. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joel. I really, really appreciate your time. Great being here, Josh. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence each month. We scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.